As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Well, thank you for joining us for this conversation with the Talent Magnet Institute and Centennial. I get the distinct pleasure here of sitting with and leading the conversation with Paul Egan. Paul's a very longtime friend of mine. He and I are on the board of the Gehring Center. Paul's a 24-year veteran of executive coaching. Paul's the author of six books, most recently, Owner Occupied, number one ranked self-help book on Amazon, Owner Occupied, an upcoming book that uh, is going to be coming out, These Three Things how an understanding of human spirit can transform your leadership. Paul, thank you so much for joining us today for this conversation and uh, for the opportunity to provide some of your thoughts and insights on how to keep a healthy mindset during a time of change and, uh, and a crisis. So appreciate you joining me today. You bet. Great. Glad to be here, Mike. Thanks for uh, what you're doing as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We are in this together is what I wrote on our board back here this morning. So it's kind of fun. I get to every day, I get to think about what do speakers, and I, as I joked yesterday, what do YouTubers do when they have a camera on them all the time? So we're, yeah, <laughs> so we're managing this, through this together. You keep this up, you'll end up getting classified as a YouTube influencer. So there you go. <laughs> That's right. My kids would only wish that would happen. <laughs> Well, let's talk a little bit about optimism and pessimism about all of this. You know, and some would say I'm trying to keep a positive perspective every day and think about the things that I'm grateful for and thankful for. And there are others that don't see an end in sight. And uh, how do you kind of view that from a leadership standpoint? And just as a human, what should I be thinking about as a human in terms of optimism and pessimism? Yeah, because we've heard this idea, well, you're being an optimist or oh, you're being a pessimist. And, and maybe we, we think that ourselves. I'm going to take a little bit of a contrarian view because I, I would almost suggest maybe we shouldn't be either. And the reason I say that is, you know, anytime we put on the uh, rose colored glasses of optimism or the dark colored glasses of pessimism, I wonder if that might cloud our view or distort our view of what's really happening. Mm. What I mean by that is, as an optimist, and we all like to be optimists and consider that myself most of the time as well, but it also, we might end up lacking some empathy for what's going on, or we might simply not be stealing ourselves for some of the real tough roads ahead. If we're that way, we're going to be disappointed. And I think as well as being a pessimist, we can also miss the opportunities to find a path forward in all this. So, you know, oddly enough, I say, try not to filter or color the reality in front of us. And I think we can actually better address both the good and the bad, the opportunities and the perils that are ahead of us by just simply having a clear-minded view of what all that's going to be. So I do think it requires both of those views at all times to not only be empathetic, but to be opportunistic, you know, to be confident and yet to be sober and all those kind of odd contrasts right now. And rather than, I think it was F. Scott Fitzgerald that said, 
you know, sign of a high intelligence is the ability to suspend or hold two completely contradictory or conflicting thoughts in your mind at the same time mm-hmm. and still retain the ability to function. And I think that's what I'm trying to say here is I think we have to recognize there's a lot of things to be hopeful for. There's a lot of things to be deeply worried about. And just embracing both of those as a leader, I think, will broaden our understanding and our view of what lies ahead. Mm. And with those conversations, Paul, have you had experiences where one person is down the optimist path so far or down the pessimist path so far that you've had to bring them into a neutral zone? Because again, I mean, you can be, I was on a call yesterday with a leader who was saying that, you know, I'm normally such an optimist that I'm having a hard time finding the reality, finding the new, the reality that we're living in. And this person even in fact said, and I'm glad I have people around me who are realists to help me manage through this conversation and really see what's actually happening and what people are experiencing. Well, I think that's a great example right there. If we're an optimist, we keep looking for things that affirm our optimism. And same thing with pessimism. And that's what I mean by we can distort you know, and misinterpret what's ahead of us. I've been talking with clients and others pretty much nonstop you know, for the last two weeks. Somebody just talked with yesterday. He's a fierce optimist you know, at the same time. But as we talk through it, he mentioned some comment about he's really trying to learn empathy. And he suddenly realized that by being an optimist, I was crowding out. He was making himself inaccessible to people who are really struggling because they kind of felt like every time they came to him, they got a pep talk, and that's not what they wanted. Maybe they just needed somebody to listen to them. And as well, a pessimist. You know, we always think that a pessimist can bring us down. But again, it's the same situation. If we come across to people as an optimist or pessimist, we almost invariably can alienate people that are somewhere else in their thinking. And as a leader, we need to have the big end of the funnel open right now toward our people and toward our customers. The best way to do that, I think, is you might want to call it a realist, but simply not coloring the reality that's in front of us, which I think allows us to address all of those areas well. Mm -hmm. As you look at the opportunity for individuals to keep a healthy mindset, what are some of the discussion points and areas that you would bring us to focus in on to keep a healthy mindset, which I love that word because it it balances all of those things, right? It's kind of the in the middle zone. Any perspectives there? Sure. I've long been a believer that, no, it's not true. I've more recently come to a deeper understanding (laughs) that silence and quiet is substantive. You know, we always talk about things like we need balance or we need to get away. But, you know, this idea of getting away or getting quiet is not just to recharge ourselves to go back at the stuff that is, you know, thrilling and purposeful and productive. Mm. Rest and quiet and silence by itself is substantive and is part of what it means to be a great leader and to be a solid, well-grounded person. So I think the first thing I would suggest is rather than fight this silence, is to embrace it for what it is. Mm. I've seen both sides. I've seen people that just say, I just can't stay still, you know. I said, well, it's not that you can't stay still. You've trained yourself not to stay still, or you like not being still, (laughs) or you choose not to be still. But maybe this is an opportunity for you to frankly practice stillness. Because I think that we always say we want to have that balance, but we never give ourselves time to do it. Well, we've got time right now to do that in many, many ways. And by the way, Mike, as we talk about this, I want to 
stipulate right up front, I recognize that what you and I are going to talk about today is going to land differently with people depending upon where they are. We have businesses right now that are just knocking it out. I mean, they're so busy, they don't know how they're going to get the work done, depending on what sector they're in or whether or not they've pivoted the business. We have others that are just kind of hanging on and hoping things will come back. Right. We have others that, frankly, are close to despair, that they may have lost their business, don't know how they're going to recharge. So I want to make sure as we talk about this that we don't miss the fact that that's what's on their minds and their hearts. But what we're really talking about is independent of, truly independent of what might the condition of your business be right now, how do you take care of yourself? How do you focus on these things? Because I think that they transcend the day-to-day urgencies of the business. Yeah. So back on point, this idea of somebody saying, I think we can make a mistake filling up this quiet with kind of frenetic activity, you know, just doing stuff just to stay busy. I've got to stay busy. And we're missing, actually, it's a choice or an opportunity that frankly was imposed on us, but we ought to accept the fact that this is a great time to be quiet. I had a client yesterday. I didn't say a word to him. He just said, you know, I've had the most creative thinking in the last three days I think I've ever had in three years. All of a sudden, he just kind of cleared out all the clutter, and he was just really imagining in a, in a very powerful way some directions he could go and some, frankly, some things he needed to work on for himself. And those things have been crowded out or drowned out before. So I'm a big believer that embrace silence and quiet. I always say when you're comfortable in the quiet, you're comfortable with yourself. And I think this is a great opportunity to learn that. This may be an ill-timed example, but months ago, I had somebody that said, I really want to learn patience. And I said, well, I've got an idea on how you can do that. It's oh, great. How's that? I said, well, go to the grocery store on Saturday and fill up the cart with whatever you get and then get in the longest checkout line. And so why would I do that? And I said, you wanted to learn patience. <laughs> yeah. That's so I think what it means is recognizing that maybe getting things done and doing things may not be what this moment calls for it may call for or create the opportunity for you to really work on some stuff internally. You know, because struggle and the conditions that many people find themselves in right now is actually a great opportunity to kind of reach inside and develop character. With Sometimes we don't give ourselves a chance to do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there are things, in fact, one of our team members at uh, Centennial wrote a song in the quiet, and there are so many things that show up, right? I think the innovation, the brainstorming, the ideas, I mean, we've been sharing a lot, kind of be open to your team's ideas, because all of a sudden, there are parts of everyone's job who just cleared out a little bit, right? And um, if they're still working, and hopefully many are, even though we see the unemployment rates coming up, what I think we'll also see our ideas and businesses and things spark and innovations happen because people have either necessity to innovate or they have the time. But I think what you're also referencing is in the quiet, just remember who you are, right? Remember where control really lies. Remember that um, depending on faith, that many say the Lord will show up in quiet space, right? And I would just encourage that silence. I have a really good friend who has been telling me to try a, a silence retreat as well. Paul, I don't know if you've had anyone who's ex- went to a silence retreat or if you personally have experienced one. But, you know, again, I think now's a good time to just 
listen to the birds chirp, listen, feel the breeze and, um, and take a little deep breath during all of this. Yeah. Now you mentioned whether you want to use the uh, passage in the Old Testament book called Ecclesiastes, or you want to use the birds, turn, turn, turn. But it says to everything, there's a season, you know, and there's a time to gather stones, there's a time to cast stones. It gets that idea that there's certain rhythms in life. And I think the more we can pay attention to it, there are things we can learn about ourselves and about ourselves as leaders, particularly during this time, if we don't fight the moment for what it is. Yeah. In terms of talking a little bit about joy and happiness, gratitude and satisfaction, do you mind sharing some of your perspectives on that with us? Yeah, I talked about this in my book, Owner Occupied. There's a lot of people that have a great exercise right now, kind of a gratitude exercise, right? They take a few minutes every day and do all that. And I think that's really constructive. And for some of those people, that's really a breakthrough way of thinking about their day. I'd like to take it up a notch and say, well, all those things you said you're grateful for, what if they went away? Would you still be grateful? The reason I say that is I try to draw a line here where uh, below the line I'm going to say is gratitude. And above the line is satisfaction. And I think there's a difference. Satisfaction is measured by the things we have and the stuff going on. I'm satisfied. I'm dissatisfied. But the idea of gratitude, I think, is deeper. And it's an attitude of the heart. And it's not necessarily the sum of all the things in our life that are going well, to have a grateful heart. I think that's particularly important right now with some people that have really suffered some loss. And I make the same comparison between joy and happiness. I think we're allowed to be, I'm happy with this, I'm not happy with that. You know, That's okay, because that's based upon those externalities and the things we have in our life. But joy, the attitude, the heart attitude of joy, I think, is sort of one of those things below the line, along with gratitude, that has to exist, needs to exist, and actually plays a critical role at a time like this, when some of those externalities are very much in play and even been torn away from us. So I do think we can be a grateful, joyful person and a joyful, grateful leader in this situation, frankly, no matter how bad it gets. And uh, I've heard you speak to this this morning. This is what I think a leaders and organizations, people need to see from you as a leader. Yes, they see, need to see vulnerability. They need to see some sense of direction, all that. But they will pick up whether or not deep down inside, there's still a joy and gratitude within you. Mm-hmm. So that sounds kind of woo-woo, you know, sometimes. But I think it's really important that we make those kind of distinctions and really work at becoming joyful and grateful, independent of what's going on around us. Yeah, despite circumstances, and this is for any time, right? This goes beyond the time in which we're recording, but any time in any circumstance to find that joy in our lives. Yeah. Yeah, I focus on leadership coaching, and I've always felt that the best way for somebody to be a great leader is to first be a better person. It's, <laughs> it seems pretty basic, but you know, that's the best connection we can have. So, In terms of mishaps and missteps. Let's just say that individuals over the last two weeks have made some missteps. What do you suggest in terms of either correcting or just simply making right with the way things have been handled, the way we've communicated, the decisions we've made, the sense of urgency that some leaders have had to act in the last two weeks? And may have woke up, I had 
someone shared with me yesterday that things that we've had to do as an organization and I've had to do as the leader to make the call the last two weeks, I'm not quite sure I handled it the right way. Mike, is there any possibility for me to rebuild that trust in the people that I've impacted? I just had a long talk yesterday with somebody on that exact same thing. After we had, he didn't call me ahead of the conversation. He probably wishes he had, but we talked later and he said, I didn't handle that very well. Mm-hmm. You know, I let the stress get to me. What I needed out of the situation was, was too evident too quickly in my position. He clearly was critiquing himself. You sense that sense of almost desperation or despair that, you know, now I've really messed it up. And I said, no, you haven't. You go back to them and you say, you know, I really messed it up. (laughs) (laughs) They probably feel the same way, but I think it's really important right now. I can think of another example where somebody I know kind of went out with the wrong tonality on this whole issue. I think they were kind of behind in terms of realizing just how bad this could get for some people. And they were kind of like, let's, we can do this kind of a thing. And it was just ill-timed. Yeah. And they fortunately got back kind of on track or on message in my mind. But I was really, I think would have been powerful is to say, I made a mistake. I kind of went out there with my normal message. It's just because who I am. And I didn't pay attention enough to the signals. Mm. And I've learned, that's the important word. I've learned now that I need to pay more attention to this stuff and recognize the situations have changed enough. People love a learner and leaders are not exempted from that. To simply say, I missed this one. I didn't judge this one wrong. Or frankly, I made a decision out of a sense of urgency that maybe I shouldn't have, whatever the issue is. It's really powerful to say that, I think, because here's what it does. All of a sudden, the other people don't feel so all alone because they also feel like they're making decisions, you know, out of anxiety or fear or urgency or making mistakes within their own family, within their own life. And for a leader to say, I'm struggling with you, not only figure this thing out, but I'm also trying to learn and we're going to make mistakes together. You know, I love the sign behind you. You say, we're all in this together. Well, you know, we're all in this together in a lot more ways than we know. Yeah. And one of those ways is to say, we can learn things through this and we're going to make mistakes and pour a lot of grace on that when that happens. But I think the more a leader can acknowledge, you don't want to spill it out on everybody, but reveal a little bit about the struggle that they feel, I think gives them a really empathetic connection to their people. And I think their people don't feel small alone. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, well, he's got it all, he or she's got it all figured out. What's the matter with me? And when a leader's willing to be vulnerable, I think it takes that down. It's a yeah. leveling effect, which is really necessary right now. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, for those that are listening, watching in, the conversation around prioritization, picking our, you know, say battles, balancing between taking care of ourselves and taking care of others right now, right? The responsibilities that we feel. How can you help those that are wrestling with those, with tough decisions, with balancing priorities, with feeling like, I'll even say as a business owner myself, feeling like, you know, I've had to remind myself that this isn't all on my shoulders, right? And it's not up to me to navigate through this, but I need to do my part. So how do you bring kind of calm in the storm, Paul, to a leader like myself that's managing through these day-to-day decisions and how heavy they feel? Right. Well, I'm determined to be a calm in the storm for my clients. What that means is I have to make sure that I work at being calm. Yeah, you have to take care of yourself to take care of others. And 
I've sensed that. There's times I just have really felt the weight of some of the issues that my clients are going through. So in some cases, we've got a close enough relationship. We've actually been more sharing you know, than me coaching, which I think is really good. That's part of the, we're all in this together. Several weeks ago, when I sensed this was happening and you can see the anxiety levels kind of cranking up, I was meeting with somebody and they were really exercised about something within the business, but I felt kind of disproportionately you know, like, wait a minute, is this that big of an issue or why is there so much energy and frustration around it? I had them draw a bucket, literally a bucket up on the whiteboard. My office said, well, fill up the bucket with everything that's on your mind. When they did, they put the coronavirus there and then some other issues in his own, his or her own life. And But they kept adding stuff to this bucket and the layers kept getting narrower and narrower. And I said, why are you drawing these layers so narrow as you go? And he goes, well, because I'm running out of room in the bucket. <laughs> that's the point. you know. And I think to your point about calmness, I think one of the good things that's going to come out of this, because I already see it happening, is we're going to realize we put a lot of energy into stuff that doesn't matter. We really do. It's the minor annoyances and just stuff or recognizing I'm letting this take a disproportionate amount of my attention. It's not what matters. Mm. You know, that's one of the leveling effects we have right now, isn't it? I mean, right now, I think everybody really knows their priorities. Mm. And, you know, we keep talking about when will we get back to normal? Well, I think the challenge is going to be what stuff are you going to let back into your normal when things get normal? Wow. And I think it's really going to be cathartic and kind of a cleansing exercise to say, you know, all this, a lot of the stuff that I thought really mattered doesn't matter. And what a great place that could be. So to serve others, I think a lot of it is you have to recognize you have your own limits. You really do. There's only so much stuff you can put in the bucket. Take care of yourself. Give yourself that breather. I know with a lot of my clients, it's just a chance to get on the phone or video with me for an hour or two and just breathe deeply for a little bit. So that's part of it. But I think a lot of it is I do think there's a theory that it's called the flow. It's so so focused activity, you lose track of time and energy. I actually think we have more energy and capacity than we realize to care for people. I don't think there's limits to love. I don't think we exhaust ourselves loving. I think that if you take that attitude, you're going to actually be refreshed and encouraged rather than drained in finding ways to care for others. Mm. Probably my best answer to this idea of trying to serve others in this situation right now. Yeah. Yeah. I love the thought around what are you going to let back in? Because there's so many things that we were all doing that were, I mean, literally overnight turned off, right? Things that we thought were priorities would have never have cleaned from our schedules. And yet it happened. And not just what, but who, right? The dynamics of who is most important to you are those that are in your home that you're quarantined with, right? And sometimes we all get so busy that it's, uh, as professionals, that it's easy to forget about that. And it should never be, right? So getting back to the priorities and the time that we have is a critically important aspect for right now. You know, and something I heard you say this morning, Mike, that struck me, is you said people will remember you and how you handled yourself as a leader in this time, as a father, as a husband, as a wife, whatever. This is a defining moment. This name of my business, so it's really timely. Yeah. This is a defining moment. And it may not be so much as what we get done as who we are. And I think right now we've got a unique opportunity, you know, to connect with people in ways that we always said, yeah, I need to call so-and-so, but 
oh, I keep forgetting to do that. Well, now is the time to do that. I sent out a blog a couple of days ago talking about the fact that I want to be open to doing some life coaching for people who wouldn't normally be able to do a full coaching engagement. And I got letters back from people. I got five letters back from people. Some of them I hadn't heard from in years. They're not even my clients. They're just people that I had bumped into years ago. I got a note from a guy who was my buddy, sophomore in high school, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, this stuff, we are building relationship capital in this moment if we don't miss it. This is your chance to get out there in a different way and connect with people. You know, before the tyranny of the urgent you know, weighs in again, and you start to say, I don't have time to do that. Yeah. Especially, and even in all this pain, this is an amazing time to connect with people. Everybody is open to connecting right now. Yeah. They really do. Yeah. For those listening, I've challenged in previous conversations to take a pen right now while you sit here with Paul and I. Take a pen and write down two to four names, especially those names that have come into your mind the last several days, right? Somebody who's come into your mind twice in the last several days, maybe more than that, and view that right now as you take your pen and write this down as a prompting. You know, I tell my team all the time that if a name comes to your mind more than once, it means you're supposed to pick up the phone and call them, right? right? And reach out. And I would argue that all of us need to do this right now. Just last night, I had a name yesterday that came up twice. And I sent him a text last night and said, hey, Brian, how are you doing? We haven't connected in the last few months. We both run businesses in similar industry. And it's time to just check in with people, right? To your point, Paul, people are looking for the conversation. I've had people reach out to me just to catch up that they've done that to me. In fact, I had two relationships yesterday call and say, hey, Mike, I just felt the need to call you and just say a prayer with you. So how great is that? How much does that make us feel that people care, that people love us, and you can be that one who does that for someone else? So I would strongly encourage each and every one of you to write down four names and then let Paul and I know how that went, if you so desire, right? Just to celebrate that, wow, that felt really good. And then maybe we'll remind you a year from now, hey, remember when you did this exercise with us? Write down two to four names, reach out to them right now, let them know how thankful, how grateful, how appreciative, and then, you know, heck, even maybe invite them to a quarantine and cocktail or a, the other day, Paul, I was on a call with 48 HR executives from across the world and we did a trivia challenge, which was really interesting. My kids even joined me. We had other people, other HR leaders that their kids join them for the conversations too. And, you know, many of them, I never met their kids. They had never met mine. So all of a sudden we're building more social, relational capital and connection than ever before. So Paul, do you think as a leader, is it okay? And how do you know it's okay to say no to things that we're filtering back into scenarios? Yeah, I I call that my person on a mission theory. And we talked about when, when things get back to normal, what do we want to allow back into normal? A lot of this is going to be learning what to say no to. I really think sometimes we fill our calendar in our day with stuff just because people asked us to, right? Can I have this meeting? Can I get with you on this? Can you do this for me? And that's fine. But I think sometimes we need to stick up for ourselves. 
Because I believe all of us have unique gifts. We've got a purpose. And if we don't, then we need to work on that. But when people sense that you've really got a priority and you're passionate about it and you're pursuing it, they almost don't want to interrupt you. (laughs) And I think this is a shared experience for people. I think everybody, whether they're conscious of it or not, is going through this calculus right now. It says, what do we want to do? Who do I want to be coming out of this? What's going to matter to me? Everybody's doing that. It's a shared experience. So I think coming out of this, this idea is say, I wish I could help you, but I'm afraid that's going to take me away from what I've really learned through this process needs to be my priorities and I hope you can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. My guess is 90% of the people say, oh, I didn't know that. Absolutely. That's great. And by the way, the 10% that don't go pound sand as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> you know, because if you can't respect somebody's priority, then you're not respecting them. Mm-hmm. You know, that sounds kind of direct. I really believe that. I think we can stick up for ourselves and start affirming the fact that all of us have a set of priorities. And before you pull somebody off their priorities, you need to ask yourself, is that fair to them? Is my need greater than what they're trying to accomplish? So I think that's one area right there. That's going to be a change. It'd be interesting to see if everybody holds to that. If there's any one thing that will come out of this, I hope it's that. When we're sitting here right now, and let's just assume that we have a little bit more time on our hands, especially time for reflection, do you have a couple questions that you would recommend our listeners to think about as they reflect to help set what really their big rocks and priorities are? Yeah. I think one is that itself, whether you want to journal or whatever, but I think write down exactly how you feel right now. And even the the words, either I feel anxious, I feel hopeful, whatever, is to process that in the moment because we're going to so easily forget that. We have a set of emotions. We interact with ourselves and in our world at different times and different ways, depending on what's going on. This is that unique moment. So I would capture exactly how we feel right now, particularly what we like about it and don't want to forget. Write it down. And so coming out of this, as we say, You say, well, I tell you this, if there's three things that I want to make sure I don't lose sight of, maybe it's this idea of I need to be a better steward of my priorities, right? Number two, you know, I need to intentionally create quiet and silence in my life, you know, to do the kind of creative work and restorative work that I need to do and whatever those other things are. I'm a big believer, write it down, stick it on a post-it note, stick it on your computer screen, something that says, I went through hell to learn that. You know, and I don't want to forget it. I just don't want to forget it because it felt so good at the time. That's excellent. For those that are listening, feel free to provide questions to us. Again, Paul and I want to be a resource. That's one of the key aspects of the way that we live out with the Talent Magnet Institute is being real-time connection for you, for those listening. So feel free to add questions or send questions to us so we can cover those Paul, as you look at the hurry that has come to a halt, I know as we all also think about, I was on a conference call earlier today about what about this leadership conference that we were going to do in person that's now virtual. I mean, how do you, from a virtual component and with your coaching, how are you recommending people stay connected? What are ways that you're, you know, some say pick up a pen, some say send a Zoom link. Where do you fall on that? Well, I've had an interesting learning journey of my own on that because for years I've always insisted that all of my client conversations be in person. Mm. And that was pretty easy to make the case for that. There's a connection there, you know, that's just different. 
everything from body language to interacting naturally with each other. So all that. And I said, oh, I don't do video. Well, then I started doing video and it, it worked better than I thought once people kind of got comfortable with it. And then I was saying, but I wouldn't do telephone because my goodness, I want to see people. I've had some of the deepest conversations with clients over the telephone. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think what's, at least in my own learning, I'm not going to say, I think this is better. You need to do this. You need to do that. I don't know what the commonality was, but there was something about cutting across both in person to video to phone that they were, while there were different conversations, they weren't lacking anything at all. And uh, maybe that's what's going to come out of this is we're going to realize that there's all kinds of ways we can connect. If we're doing it authentic, it's really about listening, right? And it's about it how we engage with people, how do we bring ourselves into those meetings it may not be the mechanism or the medium that we use so much as people feel like they're connected with you in some way. Yeah. So um, I don't pick one. I'm learning myself to use all three and embrace them for what they, each of them brings. That's great. That's great. So Mike, uh, waiting for a question, something I wanted to bring up, it's probably a longer range view. It goes back to, we're all in this together. and Honestly, one of the things I've seen just amazing stuff, leaders of organizations and their people doing some incredibly generous things right now. They're really stepping out in a big way. And it's just so exciting to see the private sector stepping up that way. But, you know, we say we're all in this together and there's going to be a recovery out of this. What my concern is it's going to be a very uneven recovery. I don't know that it's going to be all boats rise with the tide in this situation. I just hope that we can maintain this sense of shared experience. and We all need each other right now. I hope carries forward as we come through this, because there will be people that just don't get caught up in that tide and are left behind. And as well, there's going to be people that are just knocking it out and way ahead of the curve. That's always been the case. But I hope that we can learn through this situation. We have to try as much as we can to bring people all through this thing together if we're really going to rebuild ourselves as a society. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting, I've personally, one of my personal reflections is that this particular pandemic is global in nature, is non-discriminatory. It goes after everyone. I think the thought for me has been, will we as a world recognize that we're all human, right? No matter where we are, no matter where we're from, no matter what language is our mother tongue, no matter what country we've come from, we are all human. And this is something from a, you know, I hate to say, I mean, there will be positives that come from a terrible situation such as this crisis, and there will be the next crisis. But can we all recognize that we're in this together, right? Is this theme that came up for my thoughts and prayers walking into today with all of the people that we've had, we were going to be engaging with today? That What's the theme today that would bring hope and positive thinking? And we are all in this together. At the Talent Magnet Institute, we talk about bringing the best of all good, of all people, helping motivate and inspire people no matter who you are, where you are, what level you are, that we're all in this together, right? And I hope that that's one of the values, the core value that can come out of some of this work that we all recognize that this is affecting everyone. 
all age, all socioeconomic statuses, all religious beliefs, all race and genders. And, you know, this is a time for us to all recognize that we're all in this together. So when Paul and I have said this a few times in this episode, you know, my belief is it's a very intentional that we all who are listening needed to hear this, to recognize we're here together and it's going to bring a sense of community and appreciation and relationship like nothing else could, because the only way to experience it is to experience it, right? Yeah, there's definitely a leveling going on. You know, one of my little hobbies, which has come in pretty handy recently now, is I do all the home cooking, which I love to do. So (laughs) we're all home cooking now. But, you know, we talk about a reduction, a sauce, like a balsamic reduction. Well, that's what makes it taste so great and so rich. And there has been a reduction here. We are reduced in some way to our basic humanity. And even though that feels different and there's negatives around that in some ways, it's mostly positive, the idea that we just start to understand we're all kind of in this together. Mm. I think the other thing, Mike, that occurred to me, just sparked an idea is, you know, we're not as in control as we think. I think the opposite of control to me is freedom. A lot of people think that if I control things, I'll be free. And I think it's actually maybe the opposite. And uh, it's almost like hang gliding. I think we, one of the things we might learn in this situation, we're not as in control of things as we, all it takes is one of your loved ones to come back from an appointment with a doctor and say, I need to talk to you about my oncology, you know, results that rocks our world, right? I mean, we're not in control of things. And that's been the universal experience as well. And I think coming out of that, we're going to realize rather than trying to control things and manage things down this narrow pathway is a lot of it could be exactly what we're doing now, dodging and weaving and finding a place to go and, you know, bumping here and gathering this gift here and, I think it's a great way to live. I think it's a great way to lead. And frankly, when you look at, I think the directions of business is going, I think that's the future as well. So that's another one of the things to learn. It's success is not controlling things. It's going with the flow that's in front of you. I think it could be a really powerful change for people. That's great. Paul, thank you for these thoughts, thought-provoking ideals and the wisdom that you've shared today. Is there anything else that you would want to share with our listeners before we depart? Well, I'm just going to repeat something that I heard from you, if I may, this morning that I said it earlier. What you do now matters. It matters to your families, your loved ones, your employees, your teams, and uh, they are looking at you. And yes, you need to be vulnerable. Yes, you need to make mistakes and learn. But just recognize that this is a great chance for you to develop your character and model behaviors that can really pay off in huge ways in whatever the future is here. So I'm repeating what you said this morning, but I think that's really important right now is to take the long view. And you don't have to be a pessimist or optimist to take the long view. Just take the long view and recognize coming out of this, we'll be better people if we choose to. That's wonderful. Well, Paul, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation and for the insights and giving hope to those that are listening. Thank you for those who tuned in. We look forward to your continued comments and thoughts on this discussion and um, hope to be able to be here. We are all in this together, as you've heard, and the decisions you make will be felt and experienced and remembered for decades to come. Thank you all for being a talent magnet. Thank you for trusting us to tune into this episode, and we look forward to our next conversation. Thank you, Mike. 
Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity.